It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And another edition of the Virtual Bible Study is on your computer tonight. Welcome to the Virtual Bible Study for December fifteenth, two 2011. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, joins me on the program tonight. Jacob, great to be with you. We always look forward to our Thursday night studies. Looking forward to our discussion tonight and looking forward to your participation at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com and the chat room to the right of your viewing window if you're watching us live on the program tonight. Well, we've got an interesting program tonight. Program, we're dealing with some controversial subjects lately and... Uh, yeah, this, this might is be one of them. Yeah, it might be controversial. This is one we've never talked about, although I think it's a, a topic of some considerable interest to brethren. It has to do with the kind of clothes we wear when we come to worship. Uh, worship attire is is the topic. Worship attire, and we got the idea from uh, a fellow who's joining us on the phone right now. Jim Jonas uh, is in Gainesville, Virginia, preaches in there, and Jim, uh, you put a survey up on an internet uh, mailing list called Brethren Online, and you ask some questions, get some opinions about what people think concerning worship attire. Tell us a little bit, little bit about that. Well, what prompted it was uh, a brother in the congregation here where I preach in Centerville um, just simply floated the question to me about um, the style of dress. This really wasn't a question so much about... Uh, immoral styles of dress, but just about the um, a dress code, if you will, or what would be the standards just considering uh, the worship service itself. And so I had thought to uh, address his question with a bulletin article. And the more I got involved in that, I was just curious um, to know what brethren were thinking, um, how they might present a rationale, uh, scriptural rationale, um, for any kind of specific standards and dress. So that's what led me to putting the question on Brethren Online. And it was just a very simple query um, that I would like feedback from different ones concerning how they would approach that particular subject. And so I think it's it's reasonable for us just to assume as a given, like you were saying, that we're not talking about immodesty. We're not talking about somebody who's displaying themselves in an immodest way. It's a given that Christians understand that they have to maintain modesty. Uh, so we, we're, not, we're not discussing that, although that's a worthy subject. I think we certainly have to talk about it from time to time. But here we're talking about specifically uh, the kind of clothes that you would wear when you come to, a, for instance, a Sunday morning worship service. What kind of clothes would be appropriate? Now, that, uh, So you just sort of put out the general question, do you, and, and did you get a a pretty active response where people really wanted to talk about that subject? Uh, yes, they were. In fact, I was a little surprised how energetic uh, some of the responses were. I would just simply say that on the two basic uh, sides or categories in which Brethren fell, I would say on both sides there was quite a bit of passion expressed in those answers. And I would categorize that that uh, passion from two different points of view, uh, one group of answers um, that I would just simply uh, style perhaps a more conservative or a formal dress view, uh, they expressed concern that a casual style of dress would be disrespecting God and perhaps a slippery slope to a total disregard uh, for God in our dress. So that was the passion from one side. Uh, the other side felt that some were trying to impose uh, a, a an arbitrary standard of formality for legislating where God did not and potentially uh, discouraging others. And in the course of uh, those answers and even in talking to others uh, about it here at Centerville, um, I got anecdotes of, of two extremes. I got brethren telling me about uh, a man 
waiting on the table in cycling shorts and mm-hmm. others who were participating in, you know, one sort of college-type T-shirt or another. Uh, and then on the other side, I got uh, brethren being concerned that visitors were being criticized and uh, young people perhaps were being discouraged and hearing about, uh, in various places, elders beginning to institute uh, certain arbitrary dress code. So there was a good bit of passion on both sides. So really, it seems like brethren are concerned about extremes. Some brethren are concerned about an extreme of enforcement or or, uh, demanding certain compliance. Others are concerned about uh, maybe disrespecting God or not having a proper attitude of reverence in the matter of worship. Is that a, a pretty fair summary? I, I think it is. That's is that, where most of the responses fell, uh, one way or the other. It's a pretty clear dichotomy of opinions on that. Does that indicate that this is a very polarized uh, topic? I mean, people are you're not really in the middle. You're either on one side or the other? Uh, I think there was a little bit more of an arbitrary uh, viewpoint from those who would maybe side with uh, permitting a less uh, or a more casual dress. I think that side of this particular argument was perhaps a little more uh, flexible, if you will. Uh, the, the, perhaps the greater passion came from those who felt like it was just disrespecting or dishonoring God to come in what they might consider to be inappropriate dress. Well, now, uh, you've not been feeling well, so we're not going to keep you for a long time on the virtual Bible study tonight, Jim, but you said that you had taken this survey in the process of trying to Write a, write a conclusive argument or article uh, w- w- based upon your study of it. Where do you come down? Just let's just get your opinion of it. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> right yeah, we'll put you out in the street and shoot you. How's that? <laughs> well, um, it's a good thing I'm in Virginia. Yeah. Um, well, I, I do think we could agree there. There is no arbitrary standard given. There, there's no specifics that I know of. Um, and what I think we need to do at least is consider First uh, Timothy chapter two verses eight through ten, which I think is a direct address to dress to apparel. And uh, though I think this the passage specifically being addressed to uh, women has a broader application than just that. Now in that text, in that text, Jim, the, in that text, the idea is overdressing or dressing to uh, excessively to draw attention to yourself with costly apparel and jewelry and so forth? Yes, that is true. Okay. And in regard to that, there are a number of words that, that we we won't get into in detail here, but it would bear some further study. Words like adorn, to arrange oneself or put uh, in order their attire, to dress modestly, again, which is, carries the idea of being orderly and well-arranged and decent. Propriety is another word, and I'm here quoting from the New King James and moderation. And if you read those words, they are fairly relative words. You would ask, I think, naturally, moderation in regard to what, or modest in regard to what standard. And the standard that, that's given there is, yes, not an opulent or an excessive dress by any means. Uh, but he says, but that befitting women professing godliness and good works. And so to boil you know, my particular view down somewhat, I would say it's a matter of the heart that if we stress the attitude of being pure in heart, of being considerate of other people, and I do think a lot of this concern about dress falls into a social question, not so much what God is expecting me to wear, but we do have social obligations. We do have a responsibility to other people in, in how we present ourselves as Christians. And I think that if we not try to set an arbitrary standard and say, well, if you're going to wait on the table, you have to you know, wear this or wear that. I personally don't think that's the right approach. But I do believe we need to stress our attitude and our heart and wanting to, uh, yes, please God and honor God and honor those that we're assembling with and project the right message to those uh, that are around us. I think that also brings into play uh, Paul's observations in 1 Corinthians 10 that uh, things may be lawful but not expedient and that we need to be careful to not give offense in chapter 10, verse 32, to 
either the Jews or the Greeks or to the Church of God. So where that leaves me is feeling like we need to be stressing the inner man, and I think that's what God stresses, the consecration as we come to worship of our hearts, asking ourselves deep questions of why we're going, are we in fellowship with God, are we pure in heart, and I think if we answer those things correctly, the dress element tends to take care of itself. If we show up completely as a slob with, with no thought or concern whatsoever uh, for anyone else, then I think we've got other uh, problems that will you know, pollute our relationship with God. So, I, I think you're right, Jim. If, if, if I'm not concerned at all about how my brethren feel about how I dress, if it's just I will dress as I please and I don't care what anybody else says about it, then we got a lot bigger problem than just the clothes the person's wearing. We've got a we've got a a, a major heart problem there that we've got to address. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think an arbitrary standard will solve that problem. I think we mentioned the passion earlier on, and I think that passion on both sides comes out of some level of fear. And, and I do think there is the fear of this thing degenerating into people coming in. And just anything and everything, and and I do think we are we are in a cultural uh, cycle of casualness. I think we can see that in many other uh, examples in our society. <clears throat> but nonetheless, to allow fear to make us draw arbitrary lines along this regard really leaves out what we ought to be stressing, and that's the inner man. Now let's okay. talk about the casual for a minute, if you don't mind, uh, Jim. Uh, what about the you know the tend towards the more casual? Do you see that as a necessarily a problem? Well, you know, my perspective probably is going to be influenced somewhat by time that I've spent overseas. We lived in England for four years, and I've had opportunity to uh, worship with brethren in Mexico and Trinidad and Norway and Russia and the Czech Republic. Um, and I, what I see in all of that is that brethren do have various standards of what they consider to be fitting apparel to worship God in. And what I have found to be important is to try to match as best I can the standard of the brethren that I am with. Um, some of that is more casual. I, I have been to Mexico in, in a coat and tie and felt very overdressed because uh, of what some of those brethren were, were coming to worship in. And, and it was more casual, and I think it reflected the socioeconomic level of those people. Um, I do think as a general observation, our society is certainly dressing more casual. Weddings, funerals, uh, flying, commercial flying. <laughs> um, so we are becoming a very casual society. And, and I, I'm not overly concerned about just simply the question of being casual, inappropriately casual, which may have some fluctuation to it, I think is a concern. And that's where I think the teaching needs to be. I think I agree with you, Jim, that there's some cultural aspect to this as to what's, what is considered reasonable and normal. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a question in the chat room along those lines you guys are touching on. Uh, Matt uh, poses the question, would it be acceptable for an American preacher to go to a poverty-stricken third-world country wearing a three-piece suit? Would that be immodest? Do our customs play a part in the subject, he wants to know? I think yes. I think the answer to that is yes, don't you, Jim? Sure. Uh, uh, that's yeah. my point. Yeah. Is it, you know, if you pick an arbitrary standard, and, and this, this may generate some controversy, but to me an arbitrary standard would be God demands for us to wear our best. I think there's a lot of people that use that reasoning when they think about this question. But if I wear my absolute best, that may put me in conflict with First Timothy 2, as we already talked about. And secondly, it may put me in the position of offending someone who may not be able to dress as I would dress. And that's why I use the example of being in Mexico. Uh, I felt very conspicuous and like I perhaps was not being courteous to be dressed in a, in a coat and tie. Though, yeah. so, you know, it was not a three-piece suit, but I certainly felt overdressed. Uh, and, 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 some and I was very conscious of that. So, you know, I, I understand the concern that this may devolve into, you know, complete sloppiness. I, I think that may be an overstated situation. We like to cite anecdotes 
of when somebody waited on the table and this and that and the other. But, brethren, I personally don't see that this is a common thing. It may be happening as our culture becomes more casual. But I, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, in holding meetings, visiting different places, I wouldn't say that I'm seeing it as a chronic problem. Now, someone in Florida or some other Sunbelt states might, you know, feel differently about that. But, yes, there's some concern, uh, but I do think the emphasis, again, should be on our inner attitude I think we got serving be, God and, and honoring other people. I think we got to be careful about oversimplifying on either end of the spectrum about dress. You know, the, the people who say, I should wear my very best when I come to work. Well, in, uh, if you take that literally... I. I suppose everybody has one suit of clothes that is their, quote, very best. And right. and so if they wear that, do they have to wear that every time? Can they wear it? In other words, I've got one suit that's my best, and I've got, a, I've got another suit that is not quite as good as that one. Can I never wear the one that's not quite as good as the first one? Right. You know, so we've got to be careful about superlatives and overstating our case, I think, because uh, that doesn't help us resolve any kind of question that we've got on the on the subject. Quickly, we need. I to... agree, and and that brings up the question: If you say that, well, how do you define best? Yeah. And you know, is it how much money you spent, or you know, some other arbitrary standard on that? So that you know, and and I, and I think that's the emotional argument because we all understand that God is being the being that He is certainly does demand our best effort to serve Him and the best heart that we can have. I'm just not sure that that translates necessarily into a concern on God's part for dressing to a certain standard as we come together to worship. Let me God. ask. Let me ask you this question, Jim. Uh, Dag uh, in the chat room makes the comment: a tendency towards more casual dress promotes a casual attitude towards worshiping God. Would you concur with that? Well, my answer to that would be anecdotal, and that would be: I know brethren that I consider to be very fine people very godly people, men of knowledge of God's Word. I wouldn't question their sincerity or their faith at all, but they don't necessarily wear a tie on Sunday morning. They don't necessarily wear a coat on Sunday morning. I think that, again, that's an easy argument to make, but I don't see that in practice. Right. So I would be careful about that. And, and I think we get into judging again, which may lean us in the direction of James 2, of judging a man in his inner being by simply having an arbitrary standard about us outward being but we're gonna we're gonna have to try to hit some some uh, middle ground here i think is is, is where we're going to end up I, I i i'm going to come up short on trying to establish a dress code standard on the other hand i'm going to i'm i am concerned about just general sloppiness and disregard mm-hmm. and, but i am honestly most concerned about the fact that that brethren don't consider one another in the matter uh, mm-hmm. uh, coming from both directions, and so I think we got to do that, Jim. Uh, we appreciate you spending time with us tonight on the virtual Bible study. Thanks for sharing. You we've got your we've got your responses that you sent out on email, and we're going to look at some of those in the course of our discussion the rest of the hour. Uh, but we sure appreciate you joining us tonight from Virginia. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the call. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Jim. All right, we'll take a break, and when we get on the other side of the break, we'll let you uh, chime in with your thoughts. Uh, The number to call is toll-free, and the line is open, 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. The chat room is busy as well. Oh, they're chattering away in the chat room. They're chatting away. If you're not logged in, it's very simple, and you can join in the discussion there. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, 
and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Here are some quotes worth pondering. Happiness doesn't come as a result of getting something we don't have, but rather of recognizing and appreciating what we do have. If you're in a bad situation, don't worry, it'll change. If you're in a good situation, don't worry, it'll change. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we are back on the program tonight, and we look forward to hearing from you as we talk about worship attire. Our thanks to Jim Jonas for joining us from Gainesville, Virginia. He preaches in Centerville, uh, Virginia. And we appreciate him taking time to talk with us. He is the one who generated an online survey on Brethren Online. online. <coughs> I'm choked up, Jacob. Yeah, it's a real, it's, it's a very emotional subject yeah. for you tonight. I know it's yeah. hard for you. And we've got a long email, a post that he put out with responses that people uh, uh, returned to him. We may get to some of those. We sent out some questions of our own earlier today, as we always do on Thursday, to our update list to let you know what we're going to be talking about. Um, I asked... Number one, what scriptures, if any, discuss the attire that we should wear to worship services? Are there any Old Testament passages that might be used to set forth principles? Uh, Are there any New Testament passages that apply? So that was question one. Question two, can brethren enforce a dress code? In other words, do you believe that it's right, that you should and could and would, and that everyone should submit if you do enforce a dress code? And in regards to that question, would elders be overstepping their authority to require specific standards in regards to apparel? Mm. Mm-hmm. And then number three, if how we dress at worship services is completely just a matter of judgment or personal opinion, does that mean that how we dress is unimportant or that it makes no difference at all how right. we dress? So right. those are the kind of the questions we put out. We didn't get a whole lot of email response. But and we I was surprised a lot of, by that. Yeah, I was surprised too, but we're getting a lot of activity in the chat room and and for those of you who've been uh, active in the chat room through our first segment, we didn't get to keep up with you very well because we were talking to Jim Jonas. Uh, but uh, we'll try to cover some of the things you're saying in the chat room. Uh, I see that several who are in the chat room are concerned about the casualness. Uh, Jack in Georgia says, I don't understand why someone would dress as if they're going to the gym right after worship service. Mm. Uh, I'm referring to worn out jeans and sneakers. Evening worship has degenerated into a casual time. Take off the tie, relax, get comfortable. Uh, And he goes on to say, have you been to funerals lately? That's changed. And and Dag in the chat room says, weddings too. Uh, And and that is my experience as well. There is no doubt that we are in a trend for people to dress casually. I, I suspect that there are a lot of young people in particular who don't even wear or don't even own a coat and tie, or certainly a suit, uh, coat and tie, uh, because it has become so unrequired or unnecessary uh, in the, in the present world. You know, but it, it, things change, and you got to be careful about it. I don't own a uh, a, a vest for under, underneath any of my or coats. a three piece suit. Three piece. Do you own a three piece suit? I don't have one. I used to. You used to, and you, it used to be that if you wanted to be respectful at an assembly. You would probably have a three-piece suit on. I don't ever remember that, but I'm. But, could, but what you're at, saying at is point, st- styles change. And, it, and at one point, if you wanted to be, you know, dressed appropriately, you probably would have had a pocket watch with a nice chain, you know, up in that in that vest. Yeah. I don't have a pocket watch. You don't either. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, what we're saying is that that cultural standards do change. When we were talking to Jim on the phone, he mentioned to being in some foreign countries. I have been too, and it's been my experience has been the same one that he related is that people there don't dress the same way we dress at worship services. And I think I would, in fact, in my trips overseas, I don't think I have ever even carried a coat or a suit with me. Uh, Now, a tie, a shirt and tie, but uh, to do more than that would 
perhaps be a, a problem of overdressing in that setting because that's not the norm there. Now, please understand, before we go any further than this, please understand we're not, we're, we're not even talking the question of modesty in the sense of covering your nakedness or, or being properly covered. That's a given. We're not even yep. discussing that now, tonight. Now, I want to also, I'll tell you this. I mean, you've got, there's got to be some, I don't, I don't know how you put it. I've worshipped with you around a campfire, and you hadn't bathed for several days. Oh, man. And you had some dirty clothes. Yeah. I mean, I, they, you, you, the first thing you did when you got a chance was to get out of those clothes that were so bad. Yeah. And you were worshipping God in those clothes. Now, is that something? Did you did you do something to taboo there? Did I disrespect God or right. others in yeah. that matter? So what, we're, what, what you're saying there, Jacob, is that there, that place and time does affect these decisions. And, right. I, and I think anybody who, who, who can't see that uh, is, is not being realistic. Let's take a man dressed, at, dressed out in a three-piece suit, mm-hmm. and let's put him back in Jerusalem in the first century. Uh, he'd be completely out of place. Right. I mean, I mean he, he, it would have been like a freak show. Yeah. Uh, now, take somebody who dressed like the apostles dressed in the first century and put them in in a, a 21st century church in America, yeah, same and, thing, and that'd sure. be the same thing. Yeah. And so it, it is obvious, you know, it is obvious that time and place do affect these decisions. Cultural norms are in the equation, and that's right. not wrong. That's right. that's not wrong. And it's not wrong for for the, uh, the standards to change, as you mentioned. Some people might not even own a suit today. There's nothing wrong with not owning a suit. That, and and that goes to the fact that that. Social requirements are changing. It used to be that you know even a young man would need a coat and tie, maybe to go for job interviews or to do other things that right. that would be normally expected. These days, that's not even a requirement. Right. Those things have changed. Sure. Um, uh, Anthony in the chat room says, "I own one suit. I'm not sure if it still fits. Uh, I've got some like that too, Anthony. But I think my problem is different than yours. That Anthony is losing weight. I'm gaining weight, so that may be the difference. Uh, Dag asks, should we be concerned about following the trends of society? Yes, if they are sinful trends. We, I mean, there are obviously no, no. there are if they're, I, if they're un, if they're not sinful, it's okay to follow it. I'm saying, should we be concerned? Yes, if they're sinful trends, we should be concerned because there's a lot of trends in our society that are very wicked and immoral. And we can't be following any of them. Right. But if there are trends, uh, you know, uh, the tr- there are some trends I want to follow. The, the trend 100 years ago was that right. most people had a horse and buggy. Uh, the trend now is that most people have automobiles. I like that trend. Well, I'm, I'm going to stick with that trend. Not only is it okay, I think it may be prudent and advisable to follow the trends even in the area of dress, as long as it's modest and appropriate, we it, we don't want to uh, you know we don't want to come to services in a top hat and a, an overcoat that goes a, down to or, the floor or a tuxedo or a tuxedo. You know, if the trend is and towards, I do think that Jim uh, Jonas was right when he mentioned in First Timothy chapter two when it it's addressed to women specifically, but I think it, the, a, a principle of application is there for men. And we often use it to talk about underdressing, not wearing enough clothes, you know, exposing your nakedness. We look at this text in, in, in those discussions. But in the context of the discussion, it was specifically talking about a situation where a person was overdressing, trying to draw attention to themselves with costly array, with gold and pearls. <clears throat> and so you you got to be concerned about being at that end of the spectrum. I think there's another end of the spectrum where you just completely slovenly, that's a concern as well. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Surely you've got some comments along these lines. How do you make a decision? You you get ready to, to go to a worship service wherever you may be. You've got to decide what you're going to wear. What kind of considerations do you uh, take into account as you decide what you're going to wear uh, Sunday morning when you Go to worship God. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, give us a call or send us an email, or if you'd like to just send in your ideas in the chat room. But uh, we'd love to hear from you on the phone tonight as we talk about our attire when we worship God. Does it matter? Are there any scriptures? Uh, we've got a few uh, uh, answers. Uh, any scriptures that? Uh, yeah, give uh, it, and you all in the chat room, give us your scriptures as to, to, to as to how what scriptures you take into consideration when you make your decision. All right, uh, Randy is in Michigan. Well, we probably should take our break, Jacob. It's time for. Is a it break. already? Yeah, oh, it is time. Yeah.
Okay. Well, so let's go to that that uh, uh, bottom of the hour break, and we'll come back and we'll keep discussing this. Of course, right. so. uh, yeah, you can call and dress us down if you want as we talk about our worship attire. Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A while back, a fellow Christian offered his assessment that, quote, we're not doing enough. At first, I was upset and offended. My immediate reaction was negative and defensive. After all, I thought this man is uninformed of many things that are being done by others and unaware of a host of activities that have been done in the past. My mind raced to compile a catalog of good deeds that would dispel his claim. I was sure I could prove that his appraisal was completely off base. As my first blush of anger subsided, I could see clearly again, and I began to realize some important points relative to his evaluation. First, it's true that this brother was oblivious to many things that have been done and are currently being done on behalf of others. But we never have to fear that God in heaven is ignorant of these important deeds. We know that, quote, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, Proverbs 15, verse 3. Furthermore, we know that, quote, our labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. So, while other men often do not know all that is being done, we can be sure that God does, and that's what really matters. Secondly, please understand that the charge, we're not doing enough, is in fact true. No one ever can honestly say, I've done all that I can, I've exceeded what is expected, I've accomplished it all. No matter what we've done, there's always more that can and should be done. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 10, when he said, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So, while the brother who made the accusation needs to be more careful with his approach, we can still benefit from a reevaluation of our work in God's kingdom. We can work harder, longer, and smarter, and we should. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we do need to get back to studying as we look at uh, any scriptures that may uh, direct us as we try to make decisions about what is appropriate to wear as we worship God. Monty's behind the controls tonight, and Monty, we've got a camera on you there as well. Uh, how are uh, your thoughts coming along on this subject tonight? Any, anything as you've been listening to the discussion that uh, would uh, you think would dictate our decisions as we go to worship God? Well, I agree that it is a, has, does have a whole lot to do with cultural norms because, like was mentioned, if we went to some place in a foreign country where they didn't have as maybe as what we would consider as well-dressed as we would normally come to worship, we could be very out of place and, in effect, be immodest because we'd be dressing inappropriately mm-hmm. okay that's right but on the other hand maybe if i came to services here in this time in this place dressed like they dress that might be inappropriate as well so you got to take i mean in other words good sense says you're going to take into consideration where are you who you're worshiping with and what are the norms in that in that place i think that's reasonable in the chat room uh let me let me go back real quick and see if I can pick up some comments. They're Jacob. sliding off my screen. I uh, uh, let's see. Um, Anthony says, "What do we really mean when we say we can't establish a dress code? Don't many churches indicate what kind of attire men should wear when serving in the assembly?" Just throwing this out for discussion. Can't see how a dress code is enforceable, but could we suggest one? Uh, Jack says the respect for the institutions of of worship and so forth have been lessened. Uh, when do we apply common sense to the equation? Matt says, I would be insulted if someone came to a funeral, someone I've lost dressed in a sloppy fashion, as to say, I don't care enough to clean up. Uh, Jack says, I had a cousin who wore a baseball cap to my mother's graveside. I could have choked him for being disrespectful. Way to wow. go, Jack. Uh, uh, Anthony says, we can't enforce a dress code because then we'd be in a position of turning people away. That would put us in direct opposition to the Scripture. Dag says, I agree that it would be good to suggest a dress code. There's a difference. They're using a different word there, Jacob, between suggest and enforce. Uh, Well, that's sort of what we're doing tonight uh, is uh, we're looking for suggestions on how to make decisions. uh, Jack says, clothes should be neat and clean. doesn't take too much to keep your clothes in order. Um, 
Jack Sorry. says, I am comfortable with a suit and tie, coat and tie, sweater with shirt and tie. No tie? Uh, maybe not for Jack. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm losing some of the, some of these, too. Uh, uh, all right. So let's let's look at some scriptures, Jacob. We got an email from Randy in Michigan. And Monty's got his, Monty's got his hand up. No, somebody no, in one of the comments there, it talked about the way somebody came dressed to a funeral. I was asked week before last to be a pallbearer at my uncle's funeral. Yeah. And they called me the night before and said, don't come wearing a suit and tie. Come wearing jeans and a khaki shirt because that's the way Uncle Ronnie always dressed, and that's how they had him dressed in the casket. And that's the way the other people were going to be dressed, and they didn't want me showing up in a suit and feeling out of place. So it's got it's not that, really just a cut and dry thing. Mine, is that because they know what kind of a clothes horse you are? Or they just they were just giving you a heads up? <laughs> I, they said they were just giving me a heads up. Maybe they were just trying to be nice. I'm teasing. You know I'm teasing. Uh well, again, you would have looked out of place if you had worn a coat and tie since nobody else was wearing that. And, and, and that seems that seems unusual to us. because re, The reason they called you because they understood that normally people wear coats and ties to funerals. Especially if they're going to be a pallbearer so, or have uh, some kind of yeah, function in it. Exactly right. So they had to tell you not to follow norms, societal yes. norms. Um uh, Randy in Michigan says uh, he couldn't think of any Old Testament passage. He says, are, uh, but concerning New Testament passages, he references James 2. This has come up already in our discussion. James 2, verses 1 through 4. My brothers, do not with partiality have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a gold-fingered man in splendid clothing comes to your synagogue and a poor one in shabby clothing also comes in, and you look on the one wearing the splendid clothing and say to him, you sit here and com- you sit here comfortably, and to the poor one you say, stand there or sit under my footstool, did you not also make a difference among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So there, uh, in James 2, the warning is, you know, don't respect people in fine clothes and cast off on poor people who maybe don't have the same kind of, of fancy clothes. Now, that didn't say that the poor man came completely inappropriately dressed. He didn't have the same he didn't have the same quality of clothes that the rich man had. But it didn't say he came looking like a slob and then he didn't even make any effort to clean himself up or, or, or present himself in a good way at all. Uh, in other words, this, the, the, James 2 is talking about rich versus poor, not, con, not talking about uh, necessarily that one was dressed in a certain way and another was dressed in a totally different way. All right. We have a question, uh, answer from William tonight. He says, I believe that the This dre- is Bill in Texas. This is Bill in Texas. Okay. Uh, oh, yes, it is. I believe that the uh, dress or attire of a person worshiping God should be one that exemplifies a person's sincere heart, that he or she is in awe, fear, and reverence of the Almighty God. I think a person ought to wear the best clothes that he has. If all you have is rags, so be it. God will accept your worship. It is not the outer appearance that he's looking at. However, our dress manifests, to some extent, our inner feelings. It borders on the same thing as our posture. A leaned back, slouchy appearance with legs crossed is not a humbling manifestation of a humbling spirit, uh, especially during a prayer. A couple of times during the Old Testament, the Israelites stood while the law was read to them. Paul, on his journey one time while changing ships, he knelt down on the beach and prayed. While you did not ask about our posture, it resembles a common thread and attitude. So uh, Bill says that uh, we should be very careful about what we wear. Okay. Uh, among some of the responses that Jim Jonas got to his online survey on Brethren Online, uh, one response was, the only scripture I have ever found that would apply to proper attire is an Old Testament example. Remember where David said he would not offer to the Lord that which cost him nothing. Consider the effort it costs to dress more formally versus just throwing something on. Other than that, it's heavily in the realm of opinion. Uh, I wouldn't have thought of that passage uh, Maybe it applies. Go ahead. All right. In the chat room, uh, guest 268 says, Personally, I believe we should wear our best. However, I admit that I do get lazy at times because I don't feel like ironing my clothes, but I still try to dress fashionably. All right. Uh, Matt in the chat room has just posted what I think probably is a more appropriate Old Testament passage concerning David, uh, and that comes from Second Samuel 12, verse 20. Uh, consider how David thought about going before God. Second Samuel 12, verse 20. When David rose from the earth, washed and... Do you remember this was when he had been in prayer and fasting over the child yep. that was sick That's that had right. been born to Bathsheba? Mm-hmm. It says, David arose from... After the, he was informed that the child was dead, 
David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself, changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. I think that's probably more appropriate than the one about that which just cost me nothing. Yeah. Uh, this in, in this case, David was going to go worship God, and, and therefore he wanted to present himself in a proper way. I, right. I think that probably does have application. Okay. Uh, we'd also have to ask, uh, was David also doing that for his own uh, mental you know, frame of mind? You know, if I... If I'm not very presentable, it doesn't help me get in the frame of mind of being focused on. Oh, worship. I see what you're saying. In other words, if 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 I if I've been out mowing the grass and it's time to go to worship and I just jump in the car and come, yeah. is the fact that I haven't taken any effort to prepare myself for that by cleaning up, changing yeah. clothes, is 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 that going to make it harder for me to be in the right frame of mind to worship? I think probably yes. And, and I know that from personal appearance. I was, I mean, first personal experience. I was in the town one time uh, on an extended business trip. I did not plan on being there. Is that when you didn't have any uh, clean laundry, so you had to go buy extra underwear? Well, that that is that. I wasn't <laughs> talking about that. But I looked. I, I went in on Sunday morning. I had been there since I think Tuesday with two pairs of pants, and I've been working in a factory. Uh, and Sunday morning came along. I went to worship, and I sat down, and my my clothes. I didn't realize how dirty my clothes were, and it did affect my my frame of mind. I thought, oh, you know, this is sort of uncomfortable. Yeah. All okay. right. So, uh, another response that Jim got uh, was, uh, a fellow said, I did a three part series on bringing our best to worship. This included attitude, worship, service, and attire. While there are no scriptures that directly pertain to apparel regarding our worship services. The approach I took dealt with the aspect of God bringing people to the aspect of God's people bringing their best to Him when they worship Him. Um, I don't know. I, I think that may be oversimplification. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we do want to have an attitude. I, I, I would say we need to have an attitude of deep respect and reverence for God. Yeah. And and an analogy that has often been used, I think it's worth considering, if you had an audience with the President of the United States, because who he is, you would try to present yourself in a, in a, uh, a good way. You would clean up, change your clothes, you know, you, you, would, you would dress for the occasion. Uh, wedding, well, wedding, yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I, don't, I think that breaks down, though. Because if I, if the pres if I was going to speak with the president, I would get out of bed to do it, and I don't always get out of bed when I talk to God. No, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about dressing for the occasion. The occasion. Dressing okay. for the no. I, I understand. We can talk to God. I can talk to God in those clothes that I was mowing the grass with. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in regards to worship. Uh, the occasion of worship, like the, the occasion of being in the Oval Office to talk to the okay. president, okay. would would I mean going to a wedding, going to a funeral, as has been mentioned in the chat room? Typically, those kind of things suggest to do something more than just sloppy sure. casual dress. Okay. All right. Uh, growing up in, uh, and this, this, is, this is another response that Jim has shared with us. Uh, growing up in some city or town, it was a big deal at all the churches to be in the fashion show, in my, as my friends called it. Uh, my opinion is that if you're neat and clean and you don't look like you came in from your family pool, God is happy. When my grandparents, uh, where my grandparents worshipped in a certain city, uh, clean overalls were uh, perfect for the occasion. Again, suggesting the idea that different places, different times, yep. have different norms. Yep. We've been talking about that. Yep. Uh, uh, Monty? You know, I went to court one time for a traffic violation, and I was there for something that was not really all that significant, but I put on my coat and tie and my, and my nice clothes like I would have wore to church on Sunday morning. There were people that showed up there for DUIs and some very serious things that genuinely looked like bums. And the judge even sent some of them home and told them they had an hour to go home and get back and to come to his courtroom in a presentable manner, that he was not going to put up with the way they looked. And to me, I was trying to go dressed in a way where I would look like a semi-intelligent, decent human being and hopefully show some respect for where I was having to be. Yeah. And these people obviously had no respect for where they was going. And I'm not saying they should have showed up dressed like I did, but at the same time, they could have showed up. I mean, they were in... 
T-shirts with holes in it and short pants with that were shoddy looking and dirty looking. And I mean, I don't blame the judge for being offended. And so, but if we can have the notion in common in common in society that we could should go to certain places like a courtroom dressed in a certain manner, why would we think any less for coming to worship to God? All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> One person replied to Jim's uh, survey, tongue-in-cheek, the matter is fully and exclusively covered in first opinions. Okay. Uh, in the chat room, uh, guest 268 has, res- I think, responded to my uh, analogy about the president. He said, the president's just another man. Why can't we wear jeans and a T-shirt around him? Yeah, sort of, I think that's and, another tongue-in-cheek uh, and, comment and, as well. Yeah, but then Dag responds, we would show respect for the office. Guest 863 says, seems all goes back to our ad- hearts and attitude. Our outward appearance reflects our hearts, and Dag agrees. I think that's true. That's really what we're saying. Is yeah, it reflects your heart. And it, it, I think it's it's just foolishness to for anyone to suggest that clothes are are without significance. Clothes make a statement. Yeah, and and I think it's foolish to say that it, that that's. Not so. That's true, and we have to think about that. But I'm going to go back to the you you should wear your best argument, and then we have to take a break. Let's say that you are traveling to that third world country, and the best that the congregation can do is their clean T-shirt and pair of jeans. Are you sinning by not wearing your best, which is the three-piece suit, when you go in your oh, jeans? No. See, so that's where the I mean, the, the you should wear your best breaks down. Yeah. Uh, so this. You know what's to... interesting though that I think people in those places understand our our norms as well. In other words, if if what they had was just t-shirts and jeans, they would not necessarily be put off because I was wearing a necktie because yeah. they understand that's the norm where we live too. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, that that's fairly fluid. I and. Sort of flexible. I was visiting somewhere recently, and uh, I knew from experience that on Wednesday night, no one, no one would be wearing a tie. I didn't wear a tie. Everyone was dressed neatly. The uh, service was very reverent, but no one had on a tie. All right. So let's let's uh, take our last break. When we come back, we need to ask this question about can we, we, it's been discussed in the chat room pretty thoroughly. Uh, about enforcing a dress code. We may not need to talk too we much talk about, about that. that in a hurry. And then we need to talk about uh, your third question, which is good. The third question that we asked was, uh, if this is all just a matter of judgment and personal opinion, does that mean that how we dress is unimportant? It makes no difference at all. This is going to really, this is where we're going to break it down right here. All right, we're going to go to the top of the hour right after this. Don't go anywhere. We continue after these messages. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn, reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television, because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin, and it's never funny. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College U Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. Uh, guest uh, 863 says, I saw this mentioned before can't remember where this was but a man was wearing a wool coat because it was the best he had and he always wore it and it was very hot <laughs> so the best you if the best you have is winter clothes and in summertime you're in trouble yeah and somebody in the chat room knows you monty because uh, they've asked you a question in the chat room 
right. Uh, we, okay, so let's. Uh, I, I think we've pretty well covered uh, the dress code thing, yeah. and I don't think I, I don't think anybody. Well, I'll take that back. There probably have been cases where people tried to enforce a dress code. That typically is not a problem. You know, that 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 would be an extreme. And and if there are cases where that's happened, uh, I think that's as a rather isolated situation. Would elders be overstepping their scriptural authority if they tried to enforce a dress code? I think probably yes, because they wouldn't be able to say, "Here's our authority for doing this." Mm-hmm. By what authority would the elders enforce a dress code? Right. And, uh, that we, as we've studied tonight, we're, we're coming up pretty short on any scriptures that would specify a, a very specific kind of dress. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the elders would be overstepping their bounds. I don't think they're authorized to do what the scriptures don't tell them that they can do. I tend to dis- disagree I, on that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, because I, I think ahead, the Mark. elders are authorized in matters of judgment yeah, to make decisions. And if the, maybe there was a problem of people dressing what they would consider to be irreverently, and if that was the case, and in their judgment they wanted to say we needed to address it at least up to a certain standard, they're authorized to make decisions in matters well, of judgment. Otherwise, uh, otherwise the command to submit doesn't have any, I mean, yeah. any uh, bearing. I, I have to agree with you. I have to agree with you. So, But it'd have to be, I mean, there'd have to be some... Again, some judgment calls as to what you do with that. Yeah, that, that would be a touchy situation. And and again, the the thing that you'd be the, the thing that would take some real wisdom on their part would not become guilty of lording it over the flock. Uh, but to, as you say, Monty, I think you're right. I, I stand corrected. I think that in matters of judgment, we are to submit to them. And if they said in our judgment, we think it's best. Well, let's just uh, let's yeah. just let's just go to the extreme. What if the fashion was for women to wear these hats with these long feathers, you know, that were you know three or four feet above their head, and when they wore those hats, nobody could see, you know, what was going on up front. And the elders said, you know, it's no our judgment. No women don't wear those hats anymore. Or what if? But on the other hand, what if the elders said, uh, we're going to mandate that every man wear a tuxedo to Sunday morning services? Would that? I mean, w- w- at some point, it, w- it would become excessive right. and like i said i think at some point you might say well now they're getting that now they're getting it you know gone too far yeah but w- within within bounds I, I think you guys are right there there probably is some area of judgment that we could say they have a right to to specify and we should submit all right well, i think in the qualifications for elders was we as we read through them we see that we're looking for men to be elders that our god is ordained men to be elders that would have good judgment so when the elders are making these judgment calls about maybe how we need to be dressed for our worship services, I think we could should understand that they'd be trying to make good judgments there, not just something that was capricious or whatever yeah. the correct term would be. Bill's okay. uh, suggestion is uh, if, the leader, if the elders have the responsibility of leading us to the promised land, they can lead by example. One time in church, a young man was waiting on the table and had some sweatshirt with some words on it that I thought was inappropriate. They, the elders have responsibility to ask the young man not to serve because it is mainly a distraction. The same could be said for women dressing immodestly. They're not overstepping their responsibilities by keeping lustful thoughts to a minimum, minimum during worship services. So yeah, I think and that's another question. We've talked about the idea. We're not talking about immodesty. And I, sorry, I think the elders definitely should say something if, if a woman comes immodestly dressed to yeah. services. Yeah. yeah. We, okay. we quickly need to get to your third question because it does is, it not matter at all? Uh, uh, if if this is all just judgment and it and there is an awful lot of judgment involved in it as we've discussed, does it just not matter at all? Makes no difference how we dress. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes, it does make a difference how we dress. Uh, there is ton. There's a ton of judgment involved. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm trying to be a godly person. Then I take some factors into consideration in that judgment. Yeah, uh, and it does matter. And I do think that I sh- that I make a statement by the way I dress, and therefore I'm going to consider what I'm doing, the importance of what I'm doing. I'm coming to worship God, and I'm going to consider the the opinions and feelings of my brethren as well. Right. This is something that I think, especially young Christians, are at fault about in regards to dress. Is that right. they don't they don't take into consideration that some older members in particular in particular are very put off by what they wear right. to services and so if i'm really concerned about my brethren then i'm 
yes, it does matter what I wear, and I need to take that into consideration. Yeah, again, to take it to an extreme, if, it, if these people that are saying, oh, well, one person, it's just it's just your opinion that's covered in first opinions, it, does, it, it doesn't matter at all what you wear. Take that to an extreme. If it doesn't matter at all what you can wear, you can wear the absolutely dirtiest, filthiest clothes you can imagine, and it doesn't matter. And so, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, then, if you wouldn't do that, then it does matter what you wear when you worship God. There, 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 there has to be some standards. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Bill in Texas says, sure, it does matter. That's why we have elders to keep the church pure, and, and that includes the worship service. It's not a matter of judgment for those who are spiritually weak, who do not know better. Consciences have to be educated by the Word of God and the wisdom that comes with spiritual maturity. And Randy in Michigan says, every Christian should give their very best or do their very best in everything in word, thought, and deed. I would think that this would include our dress when we come together to worship the one true God. If a Christian can come and worship our Heavenly Father in spirit and truth and uh, feel their dress does not make a difference as long as their dress is modest, our God knows what is in their hearts, and there is no hiding anything from our Heavenly Father. He knows everything. As far as I go, I try always to give my uh, give my very very best in everything I do. Uh, that does mean that I am successful. Uh, does that mean I am successful? Far too often I fail to do that. Our Lord Jesus Christ told us when two or three are together in his name, he will be there with us, with them. I believe him, so I want to wear my very best. My king, our king, will be in our presence. Have you ever stopped to think about uh, that when the church is together, her king is present? He said he would be present, I believe, and I believe him. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. All right. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate your participation with us tonight in the virtual Bible study. I was looking at some of the responses uh, um, that Jim Jonas got in his survey. One person says, no scripture here, but a recommendation to tread lightly. They are souls looking for Christ, and the whole conformity issue becomes conformity to the group rather than to Christ. That's not the message we want to send. We've seen some people run off because of preaching about this. There was no love involved or compassion. There's plenty of scripture about that. Yep. And I think that's right. I think we've got to, we've got to use discretion here in discussing these kinds of things. An interesting reference to the Old Testament by the next response. No doubt much human judgment will be necessarily come to play in this issue. However, I find it compelling that when God was getting ready to come to Mount Sinai and speak to the people, he commanded that they wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. Being in the presence of God called for attention to their appearance. Why not now? We're not to show off, but we should show respect. All right. Uh, another response. With the assembly, I often use the illustration of dressing appropriately for a funeral and wedding versus dressing to go camping or to a movie with friends and apply it to addressing appropriately to assemble to worship God. I also use the yep. illustration of Israel, who prepared three days for God to come down and meet with them, during which time they were to wash their clothes in preparation. Yeah, that, may, that may be breaking down, though, that illustration of the funeral and wedding as our, our cultural trends change. Uh, one respondent says, The strongest arguments I've heard are based on doing everything decently and in order. The rule I set down with my children is that they should try to avoid things which distract. Uh, so I don't let them wear shirts with pictures on them. I don't let them wear sequins and, and so on. Uh, because uh, this person doesn't want uh, that to distract. And, and he goes on to say another point would be subjection. This We were talking about this a minute ago. An elder asked me to wear polo or button-up shirts, so I do in deference to him. He didn't mandate it, nor should he have. Uh, so, and, and, uh, and, and the respondent goes on, My grandfather-in-law was just recently buried in his Sunday best, jeans and a flannel shirt. He often preached wearing that. I imagine it wouldn't go over well in many city congregations. That's just culture. Certainly not a scriptural mandate either direction. All right. Well, lots of responses there. We're just out of time, Jacob. Yeah, we are. It's an important subject. It's worth every Christian spending some time thinking. I, I guess that's probably the, the thing, the message we want to live with people, uh, leave with people is think about it a little bit. Don't don't just pass it off as, as something that you never even give consideration to. It, it is an issue. It has caused trouble in places. And brethren have been divided over it. And therefore, you, you want to use some some good wisdom and judgment in making an appropriate decision about what you're It does indicate what, how we view the, the activity we're engaged in, and it does, if nothing else, have an influence on those who are around us, and it can be a distraction or a discouragement, and we need to take all those things into consideration. Yeah. Monty, any final thoughts? Uh, not really. I think we kind of covered it pretty well. It is a matter of judgment, and, but we should dress appropriately to the occasion. All right. Deb? Thanks to everybody for participating. I got an email here. I see uh, this that we haven't heard from Al in Florida in a good while. I'm not sure Al is still in Florida. 
he references Exodus 28, 40 through 43, about there was special apparel for the priest okay. to wear. That's, he just gives me that text. And so maybe he's saying if the priests were expected to dress in a certain way to serve God, it's, maybe it's not out of the question that we should be expected to dress appropriately to serve God. Certainly things we need to consider as we make decisions about our dress. Dad, thank you for a good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you, Monty, for being behind the controls and joining us on the program tonight. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for being a participant on the other end of the line tonight as well. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.